You know, this is our last day, right, of the year. You know, I learned something yesterday, or what was it, Friday. Did y'all know there was something called a buzzard drop in Perry? I thought the guy was joking. I said, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. They must not, better not tell anybody or, or uh, EPA will be down here probably thinking it's ruining the environment or something. So I'm not sure how that's going to help me, but I learned something. You know, this new this year, I mean this week. When does he say that? Is that tonight or tomorrow night? Tonight. Okay, I won't go. Uh, but if you go, have a good time, you know. I've been around enough buzzers in my life. I, doesn't it just ain't nothing I want to be around, all right? Anyway, hope you have a happy new year. But we're looking today at something I hope that can remind us, uh, not only for what's about to start uh, tomorrow with a new year, but what's happened this past year. And that is, uh, y'all know what amnesia is, right? You know, there's a couple kinds of amnesia, retrograde, anterior grade. One thing that... Uh, you can remember everything before that event, but you can't remember anything in the present. And then another one, uh, you can't remember anything uh, prior to the event, but then you can remember the present. But it, it happens sometimes from strokes. It happens from accidents. In, in uh, Philippians, it looks like that's what Paul is talking about, a spiritual amnesia that, that we need. We need to think about it uh, that way. And that's what this is. It is a, from a spiritual uh, perspective in Philippians chapter 3. Well, I'm not used to it being that clear on the screen. It looks pretty good, eh? In chapter 3, verse 12, this is where he starts. And, you know, he said a whole lot before verse 12 in chapter 3. So you really need to go back and read the whole thing. But this is what he says. Not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect, but I press on. It is so be that I may lay hold on that for which also I was laid hold on by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have laid hold, but one thing I do. You know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of ironic. He says there's one thing, but he divides it. There's two things under his one thing heading. And that's what we're going to look at. But there's one thing uh, that I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before. So he says it's really one thing, but it's two parts to the one thing. There's some things I have to forget, and there's some things I have to remember. Even though I see the mountain, there's a whole lot in front of me that I want to obtain. You know, even, even though I see the river, I know there's a whole ocean out there before me. And just because I'm saved, it doesn't mean it's done. You know, the salvation part's not going to end. He said, but what God has in mind for me, oh, oh, there's a lot of things that I have to do. You know, we would look at Paul at this point, and he's a spiritual giant. You know, he's, he's, he's farther than any of us will ever get in our life, I'm sure of that, if you're honest, if we're honest. And this is what he says. That's what he, he's talking about. Press on toward the goal. I press on. Do y'all have that thing in the right place? Because it's hesitating a little bit. Did y'all stick it back up on top, the little thing that goes with this? Okay. I press on toward the goal and to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, let us therefore as many as are perfect. Wow. Have this same mind. If Paul thinks he hasn't attained, he says, anybody that's perfect in their maturity would understand you haven't made it either. You know, there's always a place for you to keep working 
you are otherwise minded, if, that's, if you feel like you've made it, God's going to have to show you because you haven't. That God would reveal it to you. Only where to we have attained by the same rule, let us walk. You know, looking at what he has ahead of us a whole nother year, this is the question. What is it that you would like to obtain next year that you missed this year? And I'm not talking about finances, okay? I'm, I'm talking about totally on a spiritual level. You know, where is it you would like to be next year? What would you need to conquer? What goal would you like to see that you didn't make it to this year? Or did you even have a goal? We're going to see, you know, Paul has a plan. He said you got to have a plan if you're going to do anything. It's, it's, a man, it's a must. We need to focus on the goal ahead of us. Where do we want to be in six months, in a year? Then what is it going to take to get you there? And make a decision to be willing to do whatever it takes to get there. It's not enough just to know that, okay, if I do this, I can get there. You've got to be committed to doing it so that you can get there. Are you discontent with your spiritual life this past year? Can you look back at this whole year and say, I sure didn't do what I was intending to do. I sure didn't make it to a place where I, I wanted to be. Are you did Paul, that's what he says in just we're gonna see. He says, I'm 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 not satisfied, I'm discontent. Even though there's so many things that's happened in my life and, and we're gonna look at those, he said, I'm discontent, I'm not satisfied. He says that he's not satisfied, not happy with his position. He's not complete, not finished. From his point of view, he says, Jesus is doing a work in me. Absolutely. He saved me. All right? That's finished. That's not going to change. He said, that, that's not even the question. Oh, I know that part. But that which I'm supposed to be doing, you know, the way I'm raising my family, the way I'm treating my spouse, the way I'm working, every one of those things, the things I'm supposed to be doing in this life, in the flesh, that I am to do and to become, or maybe some things that you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> It's not finished, and I cannot sit down and be satisfied. You know, there's a lot of people. Well, you know, I've done my, I've done my time. You might not be able to teach kids anymore, but you can do something. You know, I've done my time. I'm not going to do that anymore. You can do something. You're never finished. That's what Paul says. He said, oh, no, I'm not satisfied. I'm very discontent with myself spiritually. That's where he is. That's what he says. I'm discontent. I'm not finished. I've seen the stream, but there's a whole lot up there out there in front of me. God started this thing, but boy, it's not done. And I'm not satisfied where I am. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, they say, well, you know, I'm not what I used to be, and I'm satisfied with that. That's a cop-out. You know, it is. Absolutely. What did Alexander the Great, what happened? They say he sat down at 23 years old and said he cried because what? There were no more worlds to conquer? He wasn't satisfied just to sit down. You know, that's exactly what Paul is saying. I've seen a hill out there, but the mountains are ahead of me. There's a whole lot yet to be done. And look how far, look how far he's come. Good night. We're, we're going to hurry if we get to that. No person can ever be happy until he has learned to enjoy what he has and not to worry about what he or she does not have. You know, what, is, what does he say in another place? He says, I've learned what? In whatever state I am, to be what? Content. What does he say in another place? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be satisfied. He said, I'm not satisfied spiritually. He's not talking about monetary stuff or anything like that. 
You know this, right? I complained because I had no shoes until I met a person that had no feet. You know, I, I was talking to a friend of ours early this morning, and they've had some difficulties. They live in another part of the world, and and uh, they never had a, a upset that they have in their family right now. And uh, and you know, things were not going so well. And um, his his wife was kind of saying, "Well, I want to know something positive." And he said a couple of things positive in light of everything else that was going wrong. He said, this is happening, this happened, that's positive. And then she burst out and went laughing. You know, you can always find some, a whole lot worse shape than you're in. You know, you can. Paul says, what? I'm not satisfied with where I am. Discontentment makes rich people, rich men poor, while contentment makes poor men rich. Be satisfied. <laughs> I read where years ago there was a Quaker. You know, they're not much on material things, Right. And a person was moving in next door to him, and they were unloading stuff after stuff after stuff. You know, everything you can mention. So the old Quaker leaned over there on the fence, and because the man looked like he was kind of aggravated and things weren't going well, and he said, listen, friend, if you ever want to learn what you can live without, I'll help you. You don't have to have all that stuff. It's amazing how simple things can be if we want it to be. Go back to verse 3 of chapter 3. For we are the true circumcision, the Jewish Jews, that's who he's talking about, who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We'll come to that in the second part when he says, this is something I have to forget. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and do not trust the flesh. Wow. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, Paul, if any other man thinking that he have reason to trust in the flesh, they can't compare to me. If anybody could trust in what you can attain in the flesh for God to uh, love you because of it, nobody can surpass me. And he, and he lays it out for you in chapter 3. We won't read all those. Evidently, there was a lot of people who thought Charles Finney was one of those. You know, they, they look at Charles Finney and say, oh, yeah, he was a great revivalist. He was a, uh, he was a perfectionist. He thought you could attain sinful, uh, sinless perfection on this earth. He thought you could get to the point where you would never sin again on this earth. That's not true. That's, not, that's biblically wrong. And evidently, some of them were saying that, and Paul said, oh, no, no, uh, you can't do that. I can't do that. If anyone ever could, Paul would be the one. Some have believed that, and some still do believe that. You know, I remember a guy in Rocky Ford, and I won't call his name, but uh, he was of a different uh, denomination, and, and uh, he told a good friend of ours that I trust completely, an older man. He said, you know, as far as I know, I haven't sinned today. Can we read your mind and see what your thoughts have been? You know, you sin in your mind. You know, you can sin in your mind. Uh, you know, just because you don't go through the action or whatever it is, it can still be a sin. That's why John MacArthur, a long, long time ago, he said, you need to be careful what you let your mind recall. But what you're doing is you're sinning over again in something you've already done if you keep calling that stuff up. He said, be careful. Boy, that's dangerous. If anyone could ever get there, Paul could. You know, he said, oh, no, no. He said, I have not attained it, so I cannot sit down. You know, as long as we can do something, we should do something from a spiritual perspective. You know, you know that's what he's saying. That's what it is. But this 
one thing I do, and again, he breaks, it's kind of ironic, he says there's one thing, but there's two parts to it. He said, this is what I do, the one thing that I do, it's a focus. Henry Ford said this, a weakness of all human beings is trying to do too many things at once. I don't care how good you are at it, multitasking, something will not be done well. You know? That was a big thing a few years ago. Is it still out there? Multitasking? You know, you do two or three things, one of them's going to come up short. You just can't do that. You know, some people can't walk and uh, chew chewing gum at the same time. They sure can't think and do something else at the same time. And wonder it don't get messed up. He said it's the scatters, it scatters the effort and destroys direction. It makes for haste, and haste makes waste. This is Henry still saying it. So we do things all the wrong ways possible before we come to the right one. <laughs> Why? Then we think it's the best way because it works. And it was the only way left that we could see. Every now and then, I wake up in the morning headed toward that finality with a dozen things that I want to do, and I know that I can't do them all. And they ask him, well, what do you do? He says, well, I go outside and try to run the house on the outside. While I'm running off all that excess energy that wants me to do too much, my mind clears, and I see that there's one thing that I can do, and I'll do that one. Too many things. You can't do everything good meal, too. I know y'all don't know what that means. I've said it enough times, but you still don't know what I'm talking about, do you? What that means is this. You know, uh, it was still there. I never had to do it because it was in bags by the time I came along. But every Saturday, Daddy and them had to go down to Mallard's Pond and grind corn if you were going to have cornbread. You did. That was it. And it was only open on Saturday. You know, I've swam under that wasteway too many times. They'd shut it down, but all the stuff is still there. And that's what he always said. He said, listen, you can't do everything and go to meal two. If you're going to eat next week, you've got to stop. Whatever you're doing, take the corn down and let them grind it. If you're going to have any bread to go with what little bit you have. You can't do everything. You can't. You've got, you got, you got to break it all down. And that's what he says. This is what I've done. I have a plan. In order to reach the goal, I have a plan. And there's one thing that must be done. I've evaluated it. I find that in order for me to go on, I've not arrived. If I'm going to get there, there's one thing that I do. It's a one-thing mentality. You know, you know how you get power out of a pneumatic device? You know what a pneumatic device is or an air wrench or something like that? You know how you do that? You confine it. You break all that, the, the air pressure you have, and you confine it to one little cylinder where it gives you power. It has to be confined. You know, you can't do it all. You, you know, you just let it blow out there and you don't have any power. You put a little needle in on the end of your air hose and what happens? It'll hurt your skin. Right? You know what I'm talking about? That's what he's talking about. One thing mentality. One thing. He said that's what it is. One thing. I have one thing. There should be as much difference between what is number one in your life and what is 1,000 in your life. Nobody cares about who came in second, do they? We want, why? There's eons of space between what's number one and what's number two. Going down the line. That's exactly what it is. There's that much difference. That's the question. Where were you last year? Did you get to where you wanted to be? What was your number one thing as you're evaluating as you're starting a new year? What are you going to do different? Paul says, I'm not there yet. Man, I didn't get there. Or when you lose number one, 
you lose what? That uniqueness, the singleness, the priority of it. Oh, that's number one. That means we're going to do this regardless. Whatever else has to go lacking. Now, we're going to eat some cornbread next week, so we're going to quit everything we're doing today. We're going to go down and wait in line and get our corn ground, then we'll have something. They didn't go to the grocery store. You didn't buy? You didn't buy it like that, especially if you were kind of poor. You took corn, and you went and had it ground. Either you ground it for cornbread or you ground it for grits. Uh, either one. That's how you got it. Uh, I know none of, none of us had to do that, but that's exactly the way it was. And my dad, till late in life, that's, that's what they did. That's the way it was. Paul has a singleness of mind, and that's what happens when you have a one-thing focus. You know, usually the people that uh, do something really, really well, they don't do a lot of other things. You know, why? Because they do one thing really, really, really well. And that's how that works. That's how they get to be so good at it. I must pursue. I must go after. That means to seek eagerly like a hunter. I'm, I'm going after the prize. He uses that thing later. And this is how it works. The process in which I pursue it is this. Number one, I forget. I have to forget. I have evaluated it. I've analyzed it. I've not made it. And this is what it's going to have to do. Two things I'm going to have to do. I must forget. What? There's some things you better forget. You have to forget. It doesn't mean you don't remember history and learn from it, but there's some personal things you have to forget. Forget those things that are behind the past, good and bad. Sometimes we want to hold on to the good, and we had something that happened big 20 years ago, and that's far as we've ever gotten. We hang on to that, and we don't want to ever get any for, and we don't want. Well, that was my highlight of my, my life, so I'm not even going to try any harder. Nope. He said, no, we got to forget both of those. What would he need to forget? He had a lot to forget. The bad, this is just part of it, all right? Oftentimes, the bad things keep us from going forward because of guilt. You know, one of Toby Mac's songs, you know, he's talking about, he says he's fighting off the hounds of shame. Shameful that we did this. Shameful that we didn't do that. Shame, guilt, and it, and it pulls you back. That's exactly what he's saying. Sins that have been committed. Paul said, I'm forgetting that. One of his main ones was this one. And desired from him letters to Damascus. Remember? Paul says, I'm going to go get letters from Damascus, legal letters, so I can arrest these Christians, and they'll be killed. He's responsible for killing people. Sometimes we forget that. That's what he's doing. You think after Jesus met him and he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? You think you ever, how many times did he have to go back in his mind and remember, you know, th that person died because of me. You've got to forget that kind of stuff. Why? Because it'll kill you. It'll, it'll then trap you. Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, and they would be killed. That was the intent. That's what they were going to do. As he journeyed, he near came to Damascus, and certainly they were around when Jesus met him on that road, and he fell to the earth, and, he, and Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Wow. That'd be hard to forget, wouldn't it? When God makes clear to you, this is what you're doing, and it's wrong. You know, you got to forget that. Remember what happens? They're going to kill Stephen. Why? Because he's a believer. Who's standing there holding the coats while they kill him? Paul. By and large, he took part in it. He didn't do anything to stop it. You know, when something happens and you don't try to do anything about it, you're just as guilty. And he was. Whose name was Saul? That was before Jesus changed his name to Paul. That's who it was. Here he is, seeing someone killed. 
You think you'd have any guilt by that? Especially after you become a believer and you realize this guy wasn't a bad guy. He was just doing the right thing. He has to forget about that. You know, I'm sure that would be tough. You know, some things are hard to forget, aren't they? I read one little boy that he came in and told his mama, he said, he was he was mad with his little um, neighborhood buddy that he played with all the time, Andrew. And he said, I'm so mad with Andrew, I never want to see him again. I hope his dog dies. And he was mad. Well, the next day, the next afternoon, he comes in the house, and his mom said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to play with Andrew. She said, what? He said, I thought you hated Andrew and you hope his dog. He said, oh, no. You know, that's the good thing about it. Andrew and I are both good forgetters. We already forgot about that. That's the way that works. You have to make sure you forget some of these things. You think Paul had to deal with that? Absolutely. It was a hound over him all the time. This is what I was doing. Guilty. He had hunted down the Christians and persecuted them. Boy. <laughs> he must also forget about his past achievements. Did you do one good thing back yonder? That's what you're going to live on the rest of your life? You're not going to press it any farther? A lot of people do that. All they can remember was one day when they won the homecoming queen. One day when they were the homecoming king. We never had a homecoming king. Did you all have those? We never had that. And they, you know, in their whole world never gets past that. In a spiritual way, the same thing. Paul said, oh, no, I got to forget that. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinking that he has reason to trust in the flesh, I the more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the stock of Israel for the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. Remember, Benjamin was, was one of the, there was only two tribes that were kind of the ones that didn't uh, believe God in a sense. Benjamin was one of those. The elite, you know, to be from a tribe of Benjamin. He still lived in Tarsus where they spoke Hebrew. Most of the Hebrews then had quit speaking Hebrew. The Greeks, uh, the Greek had taken over, so everything was translated out of Hebrew to uh, the Greek. We call it Septuagint, the Bible later on. It was, why? Because nobody could speak Hebrew. And he said, oh, no, no, no. I'm still, of that, I'm still of that real stock. You know, I, I can still speak Hebrew. I know all of that. If anybody can say, look at my pedigree and look at me, he said, nobody can surpass me. That's what we do a lot of times. We gain a little ground, do something good, and man, we think we're somebody. And then we don't want to go any farther. With respect to me, look at my pedigree, my papers. I'm the elite. I am one of those. A Greek, a Pharisee, man, he made it to the top. Verse, I know all 613 laws and haven't broken any of them. You know, he said, you can't, you can't blame me with any of that. Man, he was the top of his game. He was it. I'm blameless. I have it all together. He said, I got to forget about all that. He said, because what? I have to count all that as what? Manure. Worthless that I might win Christ. Whatever you attain down here, if it's not for the glory of God, it's useless. You know, if it's about you, it's useless. If you're just doing it for you, it's useless. Paul said, oh, no, I had to throw all that back. Good and the bad. I have to get rid of it. Y'all ever heard of a flukey bird? It's a little wooden bird, and it has a, a thing around its neck, and this is what it says. It's a wooden little bird. It says, I fly backwards. I don't really care where I'm going. I just want to see where I've been. We just want to live in what we've done in the past. We're not really pressing forward to do anything greater in the future. Paul said, oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm saved, but I am not even close to being done. All I have my side, all that I have, I have all that stuff going for me. He said, but it's nothing. 
I got to forget all of that. Concerning zeal. Nobody was more zealous than me. I was hunting these Christians down and trying to get them killed. Nobody's got more zealous than me. But what things were gained to me, those things I counted a lot for Christ. I forget. That's part of it. There's some things you have to forget. And boy, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Your subconscious. You know, there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a great book by John MacArthur, probably 25 years old now. It's called The, uh, the Vanishing Conscience. If you can find a copy of it, you need to get it and read it because it talks about that. Boy, that's where we are right now. Nobody has a conscience for anything anymore. It's gone. Even among Christians, everything's okay. There's nothing that bothers them anymore. I think that's what uh, D.A. Carson was talking about. He said, man, we need to get back to the Bible. People start reading and studying there may be something that God will use in that word to change everybody about ever, everything else about the way we're living. That's it. He said, I forget. Oh, yeah. I have to forget. <laughs> they said that Albert Einstein one time was on the train, and uh, the porter came to get his ticket, and he started rummaging all through his stuff, and, and he couldn't find it. And he was kind of getting nervous. And, and the porter said, what? that's okay, Mr. Einstein. You, read, you ride this train every day. I'll just collect it tomorrow. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I need that so I know where to get off. I don't even know how to get off. Sometimes we get so caught up in something, he knew more about uh, atomic theory than he knew how to get off the train in the right spot. There's a lot of things we do in the spiritual arena like that. doesn't mean anything. He said, oh, I've got to forget that good and that bad. But I press on. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence, Calvin Coolidge. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Boy, is that true? And they throw it away, waste it. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Boy, that's true, isn't it? Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan press on has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. President Coolidge. Boy, that's right. Persistence. He said, I'm pressing. I'm not there yet. I can't sit down. I don't care how old we are. We can't sit down. There's never a place where we can quit. There's always some space in our life where we can go farther until you're dead. I stretch out toward the, uh, to the goal line. You know, you know how it is, right? You see how they train people that are running? When you get to the very end, try to stretch your chest out so even if you're feet behind you, whatever can touch the tape first, not your hands, can't do it, but your body, you stretch out. That's the, that's the mentality that he has here. He's, he's, he's picturing a runner who's pressing and stretching just as hard as he can to cross the finish line. He said, that's what I'm doing. I'm, that's where I'm going. They asked Paul Harvey, the journalist, one time. He said, uh, what is the secret of success? This is his answer. When I fall down, I get up. You ever have what seemed like endless interruptions? You said, are we ever going to get this done? It, but you don't quit. You stay with it. That's what Paul is talking about. He said, there's some things I have a plan. There's some things I, I can't get stuck in, the bad things I've done. I can't get stuck in the good things that I've done. I, I'm, I have to press on. Why? Because it's all stood ahead of me. The full thing that Christ has in mind for me is ahead of me. What would be number one on your list if that was your case going into next year? Maybe you shot for something this year and you only got halfway. What can you do to get the rest of the way next year? 
got to have a plan. Where are you going to have to throw away? Where are you going to have to do something with your time? Maybe there are going to be some people in your life you've got to cut out. Why? Because they're holding you back. You know, be wise. That's what he's saying. He said, that's what I want to do. I'm pressing on. I forget, and I press on at the same time. That's tough, you know, because all of us can get caught up in uh, if we've ever been able to do anything good. <laughs> you know, you know, we prize in salmon. You know how far those salmon make it back to their home to lay their eggs and die? Some of them, 1,200 miles. They swim back to where they left. And we prize that in them. Do we have any of that? Oh, I'm, I'm going. This is where I have to go. This is where Jesus wants me. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. I have a plan. <laughs> Meredith, every day I ask her, she's been off school, what, a couple of weeks? I said, what are you doing? I'm planning. I said, what are you planning? Well, I need to do this now so with four years when I graduate, this will be in place. What? I never thought four years in my life ahead of myself, unfortunately. I'm not bragging for that either, all right? She said, oh, yeah, this is this and this is this this is this has got to work together now. So when I get done in three or four years, it'll all be in the right place. I said, okay, your mama can help you. I plan short term. I'm not a long-term planner, unfortunately. But you've got to do something. You've got to have some kind of plan. That's what Paul said. I have a plan. I'm forgetting and I'm pursuing. I'm not idle. I can't sit down. It's not done. But it has nothing to do with his salvation. He's not trying to gain his salvation. He said, oh, no, that's done. But where Jesus wants me to be in my life, you know, that's the thing. The closer you get to Jesus, even though you overcome one sin, then you see five more. You see that many more areas in your life where, oh, man, I made it. And then by the time you said, I can sit down now, then you see it. Oh, no, I can't. There's four more in front of that one, behind that one. That's what it is. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you see what's wrong with you. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what Paul's saying. He, I can't quit. I'm not there, but I'm going. All of us have some space, right, that we can correct something. We're going to talk about that some in the next few weeks. But what we can do, those little books can help you. You know, Paul said, what? The Bible is a mirror. You want to see who you are? Start reading it. Let show you exactly who you are and what your problem is. And then some of us. All of us as believers may be able to help all of us deal with the situation and overcome it and forget that or press on to that because we need one another. What do we expect from God in a new year? What are you willing to do for that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what an example Paul is for us, who's someone who can be the worst enemy to you but yet you change them and they can be the greatest asset father help us evaluate where we are help us analyze what's going on in our life what do we need to throw down what do we need to forget and what do we need to pick up to press on to keep moving so that you can be glorified in our life and that we can get to the place where you want us to be thank you for loving us that much in jesus name amen